Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. All right, here we go. Welcome to Growing Up Fire, episode 24. I'm here today with Henry Payton, the Canadian manager of Halmatro. And so I'm super pumped to have you here for two reasons. My bar is all set up. We got a cool place to actually record uh, Growing Up Fire now. You and I kind of have a cool background as well. So we got some funny stories we could share with everybody. And and uh, we were just talking about your life of kind of growing up fire, right? And so growing up fire is all about how we have a different journey. And every single one of us, our journey is a little different as we go through the fire service. And so your journey started over in Quebec, Canada as a young volunteer. Yeah, just out of Sherbrooke, Quebec. Actually in the municipality of Sawyerville when it first started. And then it amalgamated into... Eaton and Sorville together. And then shortly after the town of Cookshire, which made a new town called Cookshire Eaton. And we were three stations for probably around 60 firefighters, 12 to 14 pieces of our apparatus. And we probably did 200 fire calls a year and probably 500 medical a year. We were one of the first first responder groups in the province in that time period, which would have been like 15, 18 years ago to have a pre-medical uh, team. So yeah, it was, it was cool. good time. It's cool stuff. It's, it's funny because we were just talking before we started about uh, how hard it is to amalgamate fire departments, right? And so I came from one where there was three fire departments and then they went together with the town fire department. So it was kind of like the county and the town. And you can imagine the, the growing up problems that we had there. And then we added another one later on and a search and rescue team and all of these things. And and so it was funny that we're talking about the, the growing pains of putting fire departments together and how similar the story is. Yeah, it's not always easy. Like you can have a couple main pieces of apparatus or equipment that are very popular, like we'll say rescue tools. And unfortunately, the station that had the best set of rescue tools maybe didn't have all the calls for it, right? So sometimes moving that and moving a chief or bringing one of the chiefs that were part of the three departments into the leadership, when he makes those decisions, it wasn't something that everybody was really happy with. So it was, it, it, even today, I think that now that I'm not there and I'm retired, there's still the talk of, you know, I wish we were back the way we were. And, but uh, yeah, it's, um, it's the way life is today. So, I guess we wouldn't have the saying "the good old days" if there wasn't some good old days, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, right. yeah. and I think that uh, you know, as as people amalgamate and fire services go together, there's a lot of good that comes from that, right? Yes. Uh, coverage of service and backup and and all of those things, pooling our money, and and so there's all those great things. But then there's also those, you know, you lose that little piece of yourself that was just your community and just your firefighters. And I hear that you know all across the country as I travel around. And, and it gets hard, right? Well, it's not It's not easy. We all know it's not easy to get volunteers and part-time firefighters anymore. People are busy. Uh, they work out of town. The training that's required. Back when we were 20 years ago, 25 years ago, that training wasn't exactly the same as it is today. And it's, it's a commitment for a family, for the husband or the wife to go out and do all that training. So when you amalgamate fire departments, you gain people because there's not a lot of people to be had. And sometimes... Some of these people are doubling and tripling to different fire departments today. You know, like you could be part of our department, but you might already be part of another one next door just to help out, right? So when you were calling mutual aid, you might have saw the same faces that are on your own fire department because that's just the way it is. So, you know, I most of my career in a place that was the, the closest town to us was 125 kilometers away. So we didn't really get that, right? Mm -hmm. Then even farther east in Quebec, I went out to Nova Scotia and there's a fire department every five or 10 minutes out there. And, and I was so shocked. I mean, I loved it. I loved what I was seeing. There's all these fire departments. So they have a house fire and like eight fire departments would show up and they're all working together and they know who's in charge and they're, and it, and it was, I was so shocked by that. I'd never seen anything like that. I, I didn't know that that's, that was even possible. And then, like you say, there's these firefighters that are on multiple fire halls. And so as I'm visiting around and looking at all these places, it's like, oh, well, Maynard's here and he's there and he's, you know, and, and so these guys that I know are, uh, you know, triple adding or whatever, trying to, to just help out where their day job is or their night job or, or where they live. Right. Like I say, you took that training for three, 400 hours in your firefighter one course. Right. So if you could help out next door, you did it. Right. So, but you know, 
Homatro, working with Homatro, I, I work across the country and I see all kinds of different fire departments in different parts of the country, you know, like in in the Yukon to Newfoundland to, you know, Manitoba to Alberta. And everybody's different. Everybody has a different response time where it could be we got to load the tools and put them all on a helicopter and fly in because we're so far away to, yeah, I can have three fire departments in 10 minutes. The country's just that different. I mean, in Newfoundland, it can be an hour drive, hour and a half drive. And it could be that here in Alberta, three departments could respond in in southern Alberta in 15 minutes. It's different across the country. It's so cool to see it. And and I always tell people about that. And I always try to get people from across the country to, to talk. And yesterday I was talking to David Sturgeon, who's working up in Peace River Regional District right now. And, and he said, like, do you know anyone that's been to as many fire halls as you? And I was like, actually, I'm got a guy coming on the podcast tomorrow that probably has been to as many or more than I've been to. And, and that's super exciting to me, right? So my journey was to stop being an island and start figuring out what's going on out there in the fire service world. And so in my career, I was lucky enough to get to do that multiple times across the country. You get to do that for a job. And, and I always tell people, fire departments are so much the same. And they're so different at the same time. We share probably like the same 12 door codes across the country to get in, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet when you talk to a firefighter, you just know your home. You just know you're part of that family. Everywhere I went, like I've never gone to a fire hall and they say, oh, you know, I'm not interested in showing you around or I don't have time. Or, oh, that, yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't happen, right? You're, no. And so, you know, you sell Helmatro and you're a rep for Helmatro, but... Even if they don't use Homatro, they use one of the other swear words that are out there, they'll come in and they'll look at your stuff and they'll test it and they'll try it out. And to me, that's always that amazing spirit of a firefighter. Let's look at everything. Let's check it all out and let's get that education. Yeah, education. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Homatro or what rescue tool company in the world, the techniques and the work that you're going to do on the car and that 360 that you need to do to understand what you might need to a car. And it could be a regular car. It could be a hybrid or a full electric car. The rescue tool didn't make all the difference. It's the firefighter and what he can do that makes the difference, right? So, yeah, we're always at Omacho trying to teach uh, what we know and pass on what we know. And hopefully, like, we don't know it all either. So when we attend some of these classes, it's really good. Like, for instance, last week at the big rig in Nisku, uh, Alberta, I learned a few things that I didn't know before. And so if I make one little step that I can pass on to the rest of the firefighters in Canada, so be it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. So you're a firefighter, you're, you're doing your thing out there in Quebec and it uh, gets to the end, you're going to retire and you got to go do some other stuff. So fill in the blanks for us. What, what did you do after you retired? I didn't really retire. So I'm still working part-time and then Canadian safety equipment found me, looked for me, heard of my name because I was working race circuits in Canada for uh, Canadian Motorsports Response Team. They thought, well, you know, maybe this guy knows a little bit about firefighting. I was a trainer a little bit. So I went to work with them for a while and then um, grew past that with another uh, and represented a respiratory company for Canada. And then my dream job or what I was really tasked for in life was rescue tools and the only manufacturer in Canada with a Canadian rep was going to be Homatro. They were looking for somebody in Canada. I went through the interview process. There was five of us. And here I am. Three and a little few years later, that's where I am. Um, you got your dream gig. You got your... Yes. It's a super great company to work for. They have great equipment, great people, great support. And I have great dealers across the country. And we have dealers in every province for Homatro. Service-wise, warranty, all that stuff, they're super good at it. And it makes my job really easy, actually. It, it's super cool for me because as I travel around, I'm a big home Metro guy. I wasn't always, and I'll get to that, but I'm a big home Metro guy. You know that. That's why you're here. But when I was up in the Yukon and I met Warren, who's your dealer and, and service guy up there, I was like, you know, we just hit it off immediately because we're both big home Metro guys, right? And then I work with Ben and Ray and Mike, and so they're all home Metro guys. And, and as I move around, first thing when I go in, I ask what kind of fire truck they got next thing i ask what kind of rescue tools they got right and then i ask about training that's kind of my three questions and and it kind of helps me figure out where i'm at as far as uh the fire service world goes and so it's been fun it, it's been huge right and to finally you know get to go to fdic 
I'd never been before, right? And uh, Troy much knew you, and and he said you got to meet Henry from Halmatro. He's just like, you know what? He wants to meet you, and and I was like, perfect. I got to get to Halmatro. I want to see all the new stuff that's coming out. So yeah, we got to meet each other and and hang out, and uh, Troy hooked us up there. Yeah, there was a good couple of pictures of us in the booth that got shared across in social media after that. But yeah, yeah, didn't we go out for dinner? Oh my I seem God. to remember dinner, don't you? <laughs> my mouth's burning right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So your listeners understand what dinner and why we're laughing. So it took three rookies to uh, Harry and Izzy's. And if anybody had been there in Indianapolis, they're known for their shrimp cocktail and their cocktail sauce, which is severely seasoned with horseradish. And of course, I waited for the first person to take a dip. And of course, it was Jamie. And he he kind of the eyes and the water started to run and there was a few uh few words spoken that probably can't be shared on radio and shortly after the distributor from Darch said a few choice words something about being uh, a calf or <laughs> yeah you were too tough of a man and we'll let them all decide what that word was yeah until he took a mouthful and then after that he didn't finish his but Jamie did so I did. good I, for Jamie yeah you know what it it was funny because we're going to this fancy steak place and uh, you know, everybody's talking about Homatro and FDIC and it's like, you know, it's kind of like a party, right? And everything's good time. And then they brought these shrimp cocktail and, and I'm telling you, like the, the shrimp are like six inches long, right? They're these massive shrimp cocktail. You could smell the horseradish and anyone that knows me would tell you that I'm a horseradish connoisseur. Like I, everywhere I go, I'm going to try it and I'll hold it up against the other ones. And so I had an inkling that it was the big dish and something was going to happen, probably mostly because the the wait staff actually were hiding around the corner watching as <laughs> everybody's taking this first dip, right? And so I really loaded up. My eyes almost exploded out of my head. That was the most incredible cocktail sauce I'd ever had in my life. But it was awesome, right? The beer was great. We washed it, it down. We washed it, it down, yeah. <laughs> and, but it was everything I could do to get to the end. But I did. I finished it, and, and it was uh, it was amazing. And so, you know, to me, that was just a really fun night. It, it kind of put all of it into perspective, and it's been fun. We've stayed uh, in touch since then. We're talking all the time on social media and texting and phoning back and forth. And get to run into each other. And so as a Halmatro fire guy, I love it, right? And and we weren't. In Slave Lake, uh, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say this, we were amicus through and through. We had all amicus tools and we loved them. And this guy, Roy Muller from Shadowhawk, just kept coming. He would not stop. He was the most relentless sales guy uh, that I ever met in my career. And he would stop every, you know, few months and, and you know, show us the new stuff for home atro and and he would help us with techniques and he would talk about different things and he never really cared that we were amicus he'd help us with anything so finally the day comes where it's like hey we got to do something different and roy had just been through and showed us the new core technology and so we're like oh man like instead of two hoses we're gonna have one and it's just a single hookup point and this is incredible and so we get a hold of roy and i said roy you're not gonna believe it and he's like I'm selling you a tool. <laughs> and so we bought the little pump and the, and the hose and the combi tool and loved it. And from that point forward, really just kind of turned into all Matro people. And so we would order full sets of all Matro and, and get all the newest, latest, greatest. The two-stage telescoping ram, when that came out, right, had to have it. The brake pedal cutter had to have it. The You know, all of these pieces. It was, you know, I could put it all to Roy, just being relentless and always coming through and trying to help us out. So sadly, we leave Amicus, go to Homatro, happy for you, I guess. <laughs> and uh, over the years, just became really big supporters of the product, right? It's tough. It's awesome. Yeah, and we're, we're very fortunate to have um, clients that repeat buy. They don't, you know, they're super happy with the product. They're super happy with the R&D that we do. They're... Like we always try to reach back. If you had twin line, we made an adapter so you could go to core. When our first generation battery tool came, we made a, a kit so you could bring your bat your tools that you currently have and turn them into battery tools. We never looked, you know, or never left our clients behind. We always tried to have a fix for them. So it was um, the backpack thing was cool. So Doug just had that out the other day at the fire hall and, and we were trying it all out. And it's just like, so you have this 10 foot long core hose hooked up to the battery. Yeah, you can have four or six or, yeah. Your yeah, choice it was hose. crazy. It was so crazy. 
you know, it just kind of takes the older technology and brings it up to the new technology, right? And so I appreciate that stuff, right? As a firefighter, you can't always afford the newest, latest, greatest, right? We'd all like to have electric rescue tools. We'd all like to get caught up, but it takes time. So to not be completely left behind I'm not, is awesome. I'm not sure that getting caught up because there's pluses and minuses to battery rescue tools like there are hosed hydraulic, but uh, yeah, that backpack pump was was ingenious by our our R&D group because what it does is just throw that little 30 pound pack on your back and you flip the switch with a six foot hose and you were running tools and people with core technology tools are loving it because they introduce something they can go into industry or can find space with and don't have to worry about hose or a gas powered pump so yeah you get rid of that noise of the gas powered pump right Correct. and Correct. and so yeah those kinds of technologies i think are just kind of what won me over with all Matro when we started to move forward and and it's really it's a fight right my listeners are all at home right now some of them are just enraged because they're hearst people or amicus or whatever right and it's like everything there's ford gm dodge you know we, we all like what we like and and we're those kinds of things so for me Super pumped you're here, super pumped um, that Halmatro, that we got Halmatro and that we've been kind of living that way. The new tools, right? We're going to talk about that with new technology coming up and, and all of the cool things. So I love it because you were giving us all these little teasers, but wouldn't tell us what's going on, right? <laughs> Probably a threat of death from the home office, right? But uh, it was it was fun to watch that and see what was going to be coming out and, and what was going to be happening. So you go through these different jobs, you're a firefighter, right? And then you work with a safety company and you get this rep job. I was just asking you about this. And so, you know, the listeners probably want to know too, right? So what does the Canadian manager for Halmatro do? So, yeah, I, I kind of follow my distributors across the country and make sure that I'm in seeing our larger, our larger clients, taking care of them in with the HUSAR divisions, making sure that, you know, like one of our new tools out was a concrete crusher. Well, to most fire departments, it's not something that they're looking for. So I got to make sure that, you know, maybe the dealer didn't go to the specialized groups, but I do to make sure that they see those kinds of things. I travel the country from one ocean to the other, doing trainings, attending events. Just recently, we will soon, in De- on December 11th, do our Golden Spreader Award. It's a pin that we, we present to fire departments when they've done a rescue. I mean, here in Alberta, there's been multiple departments that have received that known pin, the golden spreader that goes on your dress uniform. On December 11th of last year, London, Ontario had a collapse where some liquid concrete trapped some people and fearlessly London Fire went in and they they rescued these people with Hamacho rescue tools, completely buried them in liquid concrete to make those cuts and free them. So those are the kinds of things I follow up on. So we'll do that spreader reward in December with London, but not only for the firefighters, we'll do them for the dispatchers. We'll do it for the technicians that had to clean the tools and put them back in service. But those are kind of the things that I follow up on and do throughout the country because you know what? Hamacho is fortunate here in Canada. We have probably 90% of the largest cities, one being Toronto City who just in the last week, bought all our new rescue tools on the Pentheon series. So we have to support these people, and that's what I do. I always think of how hard it is to keep track of that, right? So, you know, you're ocean to ocean to ocean, and you're trying to figure out uh, who has tools and who has to look at the tools. And you were just talking about the HUSAR people, right? And so I was just up at ta- Task Force 2 a couple weeks ago, and uh, they have all, all macro stuff. Yeah. And we were looking at the new rubble pile right where they actually can crush up concrete and cut the rebar and all of these pieces and and he was going through some of those specialized tools for that kind of stuff i'm not familiar with that i'm not a heavy search and rescue person so it was fun to go through and see all of that stuff and and that research and development that goes into other stuff right it's not just for fire departments it's other groups that are using these things yeah well homatros we're with tactical, we're with industrial, and we're with fire. So we have three divisions that are very busy, right, in all of it. So that's kind of my task, and uh, I enjoy every minute of it. Yeah, it's it's so fun when you get people that are passionate, right? So, like, firefighters are passionate about the job anyways, and then with that becomes all the tools. In uh, 2018, we did the Canadian Volunteer Fire Service Association conference in Slave Lake, and, and uh, it was this thing we decided that we are going to have a trade show but it was going to be different. The trade show was actually going to be part of the conference. And so we invited all the big rescue tool manufacturers 
and said, my instructions were pretty simple. Let the tools do the talking, right? I know that you all think that your rescue tools are the best. I know you have reasons why you think they're the best. I know it's your job to tell everybody that they're the best, but that's not what we want. And so we had brought in 20 cars and over the trade show, we actually just let the firefighters grab the tools. Now we did ask them, show them new techniques, show them cool things, show them all this stuff to, to rip the cars apart. But we said, I don't want to walk into the middle of a conversation about, you know, how this tool is better than that tool. And right. Let the firefighters grab it and they'll decide for themselves, which tool is the best. And at the end, it was really fun because we got to actually go and talk to all those people that tried out the different ones. And they're like, you know, I like this one for that. I like this one for that. And right. I mean, overall, you'll be happy to know that home after scored high and people love the tools, but it was so fun for them to actually get to try three different kinds of ramps, three different kinds of cutters, electric ones versus hydraulic ones, and, and really just immerse themselves in the rescue. Yeah. So it was fun. It was cool. And I always tell people like, like do that. Take the time. If you're going to spend that kind of money and you're going to buy this equipment, take the time to demo it. Try it out. Rip some cars apart, right? A few hundred bucks on cars is nothing to actually know which ones you want. And for us, it's we welcome those kinds of days because research and development for Hamatro has gone a long ways and those things aren't cheap. Often if we just go to an open bid where people haven't done their homework and tried things, sometimes we don't get considered because there's some cost involved with those things. And like your event up there, I'm sure that they used an incline cutter. Well, if you use our incline cutter, well, it's probably the only incline cutter you could have tried because we're the only people who build it, and there's a reason for it. Like in the firefighters that are listening today that are paramedics, if you just take a pair of shears, your paramedic shears are at 30 degree. If you looked at your paramedic and you told them you were going to take and give them straight shears, well, if they never tried the 30 degree shear, they wouldn't know the difference, and they say, okay. Well, you give them a pair of 30-degree <laughs> shears and tell them you're going to give them straight ones again? Yeah, it's not happening. So those kinds of events, like you say, when they try things and they try everything that they can see, that's what's really good for us at Homatro. We think that's a great thing. Try it all you can. Yeah, and that's why you have all the demo stuff, right? So that's kind of what I love. So let's switch back. I want to talk a little bit before you had talked about going to the races yep. and being part of those teams. And so I know that the people that listen to this show would kill me if I didn't go back to that. And and so what kind of races did you go to? What kind of work did you do there? Well, for the Canadian Grand Prix, I've worked for the last 15 years, everywhere from pit road fire to racetrack fire to rescue response to the tool truck. So for 15 years at, in Montreal, when F1 comes to Montreal for the Canadian Grand Prix, I've been there. Canadian Motorsports Response Team is another team that I work for in Canada. Here at Castro Speedway, they're there as well as they're at Grand Prix de Trois-Rivières. They're at different things where we have different series from everything from World Rallycross to open 1,600-wheel racing to Pinties to the Sportsman Series. I've seen it all. And then, of course, Homatra was the official sponsor for IndyCar Racing and also uh, F1 around the world. So I get to meet all kinds of other people in that series too. So, yeah, I'm I'm a race junkie. And, yeah, so we eat crazy foods in the, ra- in the race truck and we, we talk fun and we have beers at night and they're all great people. It's a good experience. Are you allowed to say some of your favorite drivers or is that all taboo in this? Well, (laughs) they're all there. I could give you a couple that I didn't like to respond to. And I do work for NASCAR too. I work at New Hampshire Motor Speedway in Loudoun, New Hampshire. I'm in rescue four there in the back of the truck. And I use Amcus tools on that truck. That's the tool per NASCAR. And like I said before, earlier in in the show, You do what you got to do with what you have in your hands and just train with it and understand it and you go from there. That's cool. So, so what are your favorite kind of races to go to? Which cars do you like going to the best? I like stock car racing. Okay. Myself, Pinties. I like the open wheel racing, but there's there's just not as much bumping and rubbing. I, I like the bumping and rubbing deal, but I'll tell you one thing. If you ever get the opportunity to see an F1 or an Indy car accelerate, the F1 car is like super, like three shifts and it's gone. Like, and we tell our people on the track, never step on the track. Cause if you see the car, it's too late. Right. Unbelievable. The, the F1 car and Indy car racing also. It's like, I mean, it's all great racing and good experience. And hey, go out to your local track. They're all looking for safety people. 
All of them. They're all hurting like we are in the volunteer fire service. Canadian Motorsports Response Team here in Canada. They race uh, a steady APC series in Ontario. The Castro Speedway races all the time. They're looking for people in the truck. They'll welcome you in and teach you everything you need to know. It's a great experience. Yeah, it Go is. get it. I think that people probably just assume that you have to know somebody or or whatever, but it's a good point, right? You do. Like, just Jamie. Like, <laughs> Call Jamie. <laughs> just like volunteer firefighting, right? It's a really crazy thing to do and a really fun thing to do, and you get to get all this awesome training, but... People can't just leave what they're doing to go do it. So they're looking for people. So super cool tip. I know that there's a whole bunch of race enthusiasts now that are like already on Google trying to figure out how to get there and <laughs> what to do next, right? Okay, so back to rescue tools. The good, the bad, the ugly. What's coming up next, right? What things did you not love as you went through? What things do you love? What's What do you see them developing in the future? Well, developed. We just launched 12 months ago, 13 months ago, the latest from from Homatrol, the Pention series with the, we've brought a five-stage pump. We never saw a five-stage pump in the rescue world before, which makes the tools so much faster and stronger for their today's technology cars. I mean, you're going to be tasked, but Homatrol has always been capable to cut all the new technology cars, but this new five-stage pump is super fast. So that's a patented pump coming in the Pention series. So any of the 16 tools, uh, cutter, spreader, rams, or combi tools, that's all in there. So it kind of works like an automatic transmission. The traditional rescue guys that are listening here know what it feels like to cut into a car and then it slows down to finish the cut. With Pention, you won't feel that. You'll hear a different noise coming from it. It'll be switching between the stages to give you a more performance and a quicker cut. We moved the incline cutter as the only tool cutter that we make now at Homatro in the Pention series. We don't make a straight cutter for that series any longer because we can't. And after a person or a fire department goes to that, they don't go back to the straight cutter. So that's been another new thing. Telescopic rams. We've also introduced the extension for our telescopic rams in the battery series, which has never been viewed before either. So we understand that cross ramming in cars to push B posts out to get arms out of bad spots. And sometimes the famous grocery getter sliding door minivan if you lose that sliding door or that deep post you got to go all the way back so an extension to get to the front of the car is going to be really good so it's been really popular really popular in canada so that's some of the new stuff the backpack pump came out with us we have a new dr200 door opener for forcible entry that will run either off the backpack pump or battery pump so people are able to go into buildings and pop doors like Cities will be able to go into hotel rooms, and if they have a fire in a hotel, they'll be able to just go right down the whole row of doors and just slowly pop doors as they go down through. Is that some of the new stuff? Yeah. Are we working on stuff? Of course, Homatra's always working in R&D. And, of course, I, I know that you would love to launch on your show <laughs> something new that we were coming with. But we're always coming with stuff and things that aren't very far away. Expect in the first quarter of... 2022 that we'll have some more news for you and some other things that are coming to add. But the one thing that we always need to understand with Homatro is that we're the only company known around the world by one name. We don't change our name anywhere else. And whether it's our air lifting bags or it's our stabilization to our forcible entry to rescue tools, it all follows Homatro. We stand by that one name around the world. Yeah, that's cool. Because it does. It changes different parts of the world. Different countries uh, have different names to the company. Having that whole, there was a fire department in Nova Scotia, right? Do you remember which one? I sent you the big picture there. No, I don't Med- remember. Middleton. They had a truck and uh, it had like every single Homatro thing that I'd ever seen in any catalog. Oh, yes, that's correct. On the internet, on a book anywhere. And so I took some pictures and I sent it off to you and I was like, this is a catalog. These guys have a rolling catalog of Homatro stuff. And we laughed about that. And, And so those are the things that as we go to all these fire departments, you get to see, right? And it was fun for me for a long, long time to really listen to firefighters to say, oh, well, we have this because it's the best and we have that because it's the best and and we have this and that. But this was the first fire department that I'd ever been to that had like one of every single solitary thing. <laughs> and so they were obviously all in more more than me and they knew so much about it. They were like the technicians I'm used to working with, right? They're like, and this can do that. And this is the pressure. And this is the, they didn't just buy shiny stuff and throw it on the truck. 
they actually knew what it could do, what it was for, and why they had it. We look at it in a different way also is that, you know, like battery tool seems to be the new flavor of the month, right? But don't forget that host hydraulic always offers you more options, things that you can't get in battery tools, like a mini cutter, you know, like with that backpack pump, like I told you, which is the game to that. That's right. Yeah. So if you have a host hydraulic tool, like a mini cutter, cause you want it small to get in to cut a pedal or cut a headrest or a shifting arm, it's still small. If I try to change that to battery, you're going to lose all that access or why you bought that tool. And these people who have those trucks, like you just said, realize that. And yes, they might buy a battery cutter and a battery spreader or a combi tool to help out, but they still didn't move away from hosed hydraulic. Right. And we're fortunate to have the majority of the largest cities and all the capitals across the country, Homatro does. And until just here a little bit, most of them all stayed hosed hydraulic because of the options that are still available in hosed hydraulic tools. So should you go completely away from it? I don't believe so. And there's some pluses. In, so a hosed hydraulic tool is still lighter, right? And still tethered. So there's some pluses or minuses. We at Homatro put everything on the ground. You choose. As a fire department, the best tool that you want. Well, I'm not pushing you one way or the other. Everybody's educated enough in what they do. And we all come in and we say whatever. But actually, the firefighter who's had 25 years in his fire service, who goes out on the Highway 401 or Highway 2 or Highway 1 at, in the middle of the night, he knows what he wants. Right. We don't. So we put it there. You choose. And that's what I loved. And that's why I wanted you here today and to talk about those kinds of things. Because I, I see the same thing you see, right? The new cool thing is to get the battery operated stuff. And I get that, right? Now you're not tethered and, and there's all the reasons to do that. But it really scares me that everybody's just going to jump into that. And and so you come from a small town, you have limited dollars, you spend all your money on electric stuff and you just let the tethered stuff go. You're kind of limiting what you can do and how you can do it. So, so great point. And I think that people really have to kind of open up their eyes to all of that stuff. You can't really chase the latest and greatest. You actually have to buy the stuff you need, right? I'm sure Halmatro didn't just shut down their plant that builds the hydraulic tethered tools, right? No, we still have a full production line and it's busy as ever. Like I say, we're every day I get orders for hosed hydraulic tools all across the country. And some people prefer it, right? I don't have to worry about batteries. Like fire departments are already managing batteries within its thermal imagers, their SCBA, their flashlights, and all those things. And you look at a fire department, sometimes they said, I'm not managing any more batteries. <laughs> I'm going to stay just the way I am. So it's... It's the flavor of of the department, and it can be challenged by where you are in Canada. Yeah. We have some places in Canada hardly see any snow. Then we see places in Canada that get four feet of snow, right? So it's all in what you want, but a mix of both is a nice. Yeah, I would say know. is the recipe for success. Okay. No, that's fair. And it's a great way to think about it and a great way to put it in perspective, right? Because it is one of those things where everyone will grab, we're at FDIC and everyone gravitates to the new tools and everyone gravitates to the, I never saw this before, but actually what do you need, right? Yeah. And that's the trick. It's not, what can you sell to council? What do you have enough money for? What do you, but actually what do you need? And And I think we lost that somewhere along the line in all of these different things. It could be SCBA, it could be positive pressure fans, it could be rescue tools, right? Is we lost that. What do we actually need for the service that we run? Right. Not what did we see at this cool thing or, you know, what's the salesman trying to sell us, but what do we actually need? And so that's cool. I want to jump over to the, I won't call it a competition because we haven't even talked about this yet, but how many fire departments we get to see, right? So between the two of us, we get to go to a lot of fire departments. We get to see a lot of different trucks. We get to see a lot of different fire hall makes, right? Um, we get to see a lot of different training programs and, and different people. So putting you on the spot, what, what are some of your favorite fire halls across the country that you've got to go to and see? Oh, I won't say fire halls because it kind of goes by the territory. Some of the parts in Canada, some of the places in Canada have really put a lot of a lot of effort to what the fire what the fire station looks like from the outside and their equipment. And in Western Canada, I love the way they're built on the outside. They're they're set up for where they're in. BC has some awesome places also through the prairies. I don't really know how you can say one's better than the other. But one thing that always catches my eye is that how they keep the fire truck 
You open up the compartments. I was in Langley Township, BC, the other day, and the inside of the compartments were immaculate. I wouldn't have been scared to put my hamburger on the bottom tray <laughs> behind the tools and eat that hamburger off there. There's a lot to say about a department and how they keep their stuff to me, but obviously um, we're challenged with time. Yeah. Time away from the family. For me, Jamie, and your and your podcast, we really always got to reach out to the people who, the wives, the children who sacrifice for these guys to be able to be firefighters and then go to that fire hall and take care of it. Because back in my early years, the wives were as much a part of it as the men. I don't know if that's the same today because I've been out of the fire service. But I'll just go to say that I was one time in Palmcat, Nova Scotia, and they knew I was coming. This is years ago. Well, wow. They went out and they caught lobster that day and steaks and the husbands and the wives and everybody got together. That's what I call a fire department that's sticking together. That's that's a family. Yeah. And if we can get back there or stay there, there's parts of the country that are still there. And some of us have moved away from it in parts of the country. That's what I have for a comment out of that question. Yeah, that's that's beauty. Like, uh, you know, as I close in on 400 fire halls across the country that I've got to, I've seen beautiful fire halls. I've seen small fire halls that are, you could say, falling apart. But I agree with you that no matter if I'm going to the nicest, newest, fanciest, multi-million dollar place, or I'm going to a shop that's in someone's backyard that they're running a fire department out of, the trucks are going to be clean. The gear is going to be done. People are going to care about it, right? Some of my favorites across the country, you were just up in one of them in Whitehorse, right? Station one in Whitehorse. Um, It's just how they park the trucks and how they do their decon and how it's set up. And it's on the side of a hill. So there's, you know, multiple levels. Yes. And- I'm glad you brought that up. That is a nice spot. There, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful spot. It's a beautiful fire hall. It's a beautiful setup for decon high river. It wouldn't be right if I didn't give them a shout out. They just built onto their fire hall and kind of changed how they do everything inside. And they did just an incredible job, Trevor and Cody and all the team out there. Winkler, Manitoba, if you ever get a chance. Yeah, I don't you're, think I've been there. You're, you're going right by there on Monday. So that place is beautiful. The The team there, they've got a big museum upstairs, lots of open space. They've integrated a whole training tower into the facility. It doesn't look special, but it's amazing when you get inside and, and you look over. And then they actually built a, a big space. The community was smart enough to build a big space that's not even being used yet. So as they move forward with new things and new ideas, they have a space that they can grow into. And so, you know, that's another one of my favorites. Wolfville, Nova Scotia will always be a favorite yeah, for Wolfville, me, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, they're right on Main Street, just down from the KDA University. You know, been to some amazing meals and, and stuff there. And uh, they just take such great care of it. But not to diminish any other places. Prince Edward Island uh, oh, right halls on. are all upstairs. Got those big community hall, we'll call it, with the where they'll... Probably half the marriages within the fire department were held in the upstairs of all those fire halls because I just had a friend down there. He said, there's like a fire hall every time I turn right or left down there. (laughs) That's true. So if you look at some of them and if you're in Prince Edward Island, knock on the door. They'll probably invite you in and you'll probably have a beverage upstairs. Uh, You know, I I went to uh, Summerside PEI and and met with the chief there, Ron, and and, uh, they have a really old building and they have lots of challenges. And, you know, they they even had the old like bomb stuff downstairs. (laughs) And all of these challenges, but same thing. So they have all these challenges, but the place is still immaculate and it's like a family. And then you go into their upstairs room and it's, you know, it's nicer than my office and nicer than my basement with all the memorabilia and all the things. And it goes back a long, long time, right? Uh, When I was there, I got a book and I think the fire department, you know, someone will correct me, but it was like 1918 or something when, when they got fired up there. And so I got this book that talked all about the fire service for over a hundred years, right? That kind of stuff, right? So it's not just the newest, fanciest, coolest stuff. I, some of it, I like it because their decon's amazing. Some of it, I like how they mark, put their pumpers. Some of it, I like how the, the staff quarters are. Some of it, I like, you know, their room that they have Watson Armstrong at his fire hall. He's got one of the coolest little rooms that you, you ever saw there. I've been in Golden BC where they have drums set up in the corner and guitars and, you know, they have, you know, and, and so I mean, there's all these yeah, cool. In Dawson City here with their, <laughs> they, those steamers in the next That's, room. We're sitting right beside a picture of that. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so to me, it's like getting to visit all these fire halls is amazing. Getting to remember all these different things. But I always remember all the firefighters, right? And how, you know, they're in different places and speak different languages and, and all of these other things. But still, they're welcoming, right? And, and it's around the world. Everywhere I travel, I stop at fire halls and it, and it doesn't even matter. We can overcome language barriers. We can overcome race barriers. We can overcome everything because we're firefighters. Yeah, well, it's like there was a gentleman who passed this year in the fire service, and everybody knew him in Canada pretty much as Miles Bolter. He was out of Prince Edward Island out of the fire school. And he had one of the, uh, he had a lasting impression in my for me. And I can remember when I was still with Canadian Safety Equipment, Brenda was with me. She kind of sat, and after a while, I saw her get the lawn chair out, and she read it half a book by the time I got away from Miles Bolter at the PEI Fire Training School. And that gentleman, he was known around the country, that fella, and he was just a genuine firefighter. And that's that's what we have. And we're lucky enough to see these people every day, every week. And people like Miles are 35 years old, going to need to replace Miles in that, in that position. And uh, you and I are lucky enough to be able to meet these people in our career. I can't say enough for the people who always welcome me in, go for coffee, grab whatever, let's go for lunch, and let's just talk. We talked 25 minutes about Hamatra. We talked two hours and 25 minutes about family and the fire service. So Yeah, no, it's true. And it's all part of that growing up fire, right? right. Everybody wants to talk to another firefighter and hear the stories. And Swap badges. Here's right? a coin. <laughs> yeah, you right get on. a t-shirt because <laughs> I only have 150 in my pile at home. I need 151. <laughs> Your whole closet's all fire department t-shirts. Eh? And, and we all. And one nice shirt in case you got to go somewhere. Yeah. And we all get that, right, to, from the wife. You came home with three more because I'll get it when I get home this Wednesday. Yeah. I've got another six to put in the pile. (laughs) We went to New York and and we were before FDIC there and and we were going station to station buying shirts, right? And you're bringing them home for people and you got, and and the other day where I'm unpacking all my boxes for my office and, and uh, there's some New York shirts, brand new, never been worn that I'd packed away from my office and so now i'm excited i have some more new shirts eh? <laughs> yeah well, you and i are both the same size so <laughs> give me I some need, i need to, I, i'll swap you i'll match or one for a, a new york one because i need another one yeah exactly yeah gotta have it right yeah because i don't have it. it it is fun you you know you go around and, and you see all this stuff so okay that was that's great talk about uh fire halls now let's let's talk about fire trucks so you've seen a lot of fire trucks just like me do you have a favorite out there somewhere it doesn't even have to be a brand or a type but just did something that you weren't expecting or so i see a lot of trucks and i i'm attracted to them not that i ever had a whole lot to do with them within the fire department because my chief did most of the procurement of fire trucks i think they all have their own little specialty so there's an old antiquer in riverview new brunswick is pretty sharp i'm awful impressed with some of them that have gone back and restored some of their old apparatus. They've held on to them. That really impresses me. For the new trucks out there, it seems like the flavor or ladder trucks and pumpers, all I ever got to say is, God help Federal Signal and the queue. I love the queue, and if they don't have the queue on the front, I ask them why. Um, I, I love a queue on the front of a fire truck. I don't care if it was a $100,000 truck. Go buy that $5,000 queue. It's you want to hear it coming, eh? I want to hear it coming. Everybody knows I could, we could sit out back here and have another beer probably after on your patio. <laughs> and if a queue goes by, we'll know it's a fire truck. Otherwise, we never know what emergency vehicle it is. Exactly. Yeah. Right here in Chesimere, you could tell if it's the manual or electric queue. <laughs> yeah. But if a police car gets screwed on his bumper, he'd probably want one. That's it. True story. <laughs> I, I do. I'm with you. I love the the old trucks. I love that you were talking about the steam engine up in Dallas. And, you know, in Slave, we were always proud of our 64 that we redid and opened up the back and made it a barbecue truck. And it goes, oh, to, nice. goes to all the events, you know. And, and uh, yeah, you travel around and you see them all the time. And I've seen some really amazing ones across the country. I have a couple of big favorites. When we were out in Nova Scotia for one of the conferences, they had a truck. I think its designation was Big Water. And it had a, an engine for the truck and then it had a separate pump engine and it could pump through, I think it was a 10 inch intake. Cool. And so they actually took it out and set it up because I was so in awe of this thing and they started pumping water. And I will tell you, like rain, rain had nothing on this thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was just right and uh, it was on this like 550 chassis so you could get it anywhere and pump water like crazy and and it, i just thought to myself what a game changer like so incredibly different than all of the other trucks that i'd seen and so that was cool right they don't have hydrants everywhere and so they had this truck Love that one. And then there was an industrial pumper up in Albion Sands, Fort McMurray, that I love too, right? It had like four or five inch intakes. It had three six wow. inch cannons, right? And so even the fire hydrants were cool there. It was a 20 inch main coming up to these five inch ports and he opened up every one individually. And so, you know, you say, oh, this truck's nice, but how do you like, how do you use that with a fire hydrant? And I said, well, you don't use it with a fire hydrant that you're thinking of. Now this is a fire, fire. Hydrant, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, even just the pump capacities and the water and, and all of those things. So to me, I always, as I travel around and see all these things, I, I see all these really cool, you know, I could go to FDIC like anyone and be amazed by the, Oh, look at that orange and black fire truck and look at this uh, new Panther and look at this new ladder truck. But to me, I just love it when a fire department really thinks of what they need right and they, and they purchase order. they they order exactly what they need right don't just take what's sitting on somebody's driveway just because they said they will give you a good price for it yeah or it was flashy or it was cool or the salesman was a neat guy they've built a fire truck to make it work and make it last and so you know for me as i travel around i love that stuff and so now i'm hopefully i'm challenging you a little bit because you go to a lot of fire halls like me so now next time you're on the show in season two you'll be i'll be saying that which fire truck did you see that you liked and which fire hall did you like well i know i know (laughs) one thing I've, i've seen a few places where they've had some really long tanker trucks and stuff and i saw their roads and i'll sometimes wonder why they made that choice like why did you go to a pumper tanker, which is super popular in Eastern Canada, pumper tankers, yeah. but the hose beds are so high. I sometimes wonder, was it really what you needed or is what you could afford? Because a pumper tanker is a pumper tanker, but some of these pumper tankers are their lead engines. And to me, when you got to take three steps up to get to the hose bed, I sometimes wonder, but yeah. Yeah. I, you know, hose beds are one where I'm really actually trying to convince people to make a change, right? Get them off the top and bring them out of the back or the side or anything other than what they've been doing, right? You get a firefighter way up there and somebody falls down. Now you don't hear that very often, but I come from a fire department where that happened. And I heard the thud when the guy hit the concrete and it's just something like I could close my eyes right now and have nightmares about it. He was fine young fit guy don't ask me how he made it out of that just fine but one of the scariest things that ever happened right so and then the big tenders i'm with you right i I can think of one up north in alberta that's uh over five thousand gallons and they're like oh yeah but now we don't need hydrants we got this thing and but i think of all the muddy roads and the soft roads in the spring and it's like you know for that price you could have bought two two thousand or 2500 gallon ones and you'd have been lighter and more maneuverable and and so I'm with you. You got to really think about it and, and decide. All about territory. Right? For sure. Challenges in the fire service. What do you think is coming up? What, what can you think of? Whether it's rescue tools or just firefighting, trucks or buildings or. So I've been across the country. And yesterday I came through, you know, by Kelowna and Golden. And I go, in Eastern Canada, not a lot of talk about rope rescue. But here, rope rescue, that's a common thing. To me, that's the specialty or the technical responses for fire departments. Maybe focus on a couple things and do them well, and then maybe use your neighbor if he's close enough for something else. What we're seeing or what I see is everybody's trying to do everything within their fire hall, but yet don't have time to train, practice, and understand it. So the career guys... They have a rescue team and they have this, but they work all day long at the fire hall. But the part-time volunteers, if you're doing water rescue, you're doing vehicle rescue, you're doing high angle, and well, maybe I'll do hazmat, right? First, it's a large financial burden, but you can't keep up. You can't do any of them well. So then maybe talk to your neighbor and say, hey, what do you think? We got a lot of trucks coming through here, you know, on this highway. We got to ha- definitely have a hazmat re- response team. Why am I doing that? Why don't you do that? I'll do water rescue and we'll have the other fellow do high angle. Yeah. Vehicle rescue is a little bit different because it's loved and trained by all firefighters. If you take it away from them, they won't like it. Yeah, they'll be upset for sure. But the rope, like I say, rope, high angle and hazmat and water rescue, 
maybe talk to your neighbor because one, it's a lot to keep it up because you got to test it, right? Nothing goes without testing. And the training that goes with it, we're already challenged a bit on staying up to date with our own firefighter training, which is the number one thing, <laughs> right? We got to remember that we're firefighters before anything, that the other ones, if we get a little behind and we really have the event, then what, right? Yeah. You're the guy they're looking at. You're going to be expected to do it. So I see that in the, in the country where people are trying to equip themselves to do everything, Maybe talk to the neighbor, let him do water rescue, and you'll do high angle. Let him have the boat and everything else, and you'll have the ropes and everything else. I love it, right? And and you do see it, and, and the volunteers are, you know, the training requirement is too much, and the family commitment is too much, and the employer commitment is too much. And it comes down to those four things I talk about all the time, ego, turf, time, and money, right? We all want everything. We all want to do everything. We all want to be the best at everything, but you just can't be. And so you bring up some valid points where, you know, work together, teamwork. We're okay to do that in our own little pods, but how come that's not stretching out? And I get it, right? 2011, we're this little thing in Slave Lake and we only care about what we're doing. And then a big event changes the whole world for us and and changes the drive, right? But good, awesome points. Forestry, I didn't even mention forestry. I mean, this year forestry blew up, right? If there was a year, what did you do the rest of the time? Because- you said you would do water rescue and you said you would do this, but you took so much time at forestry. How did you keep caught up, right? So it's a commitment. You tell somebody you're going to do it, then you can, you have to do it. So Yeah, and it's all the time pieces, right? So we chase the money, but then we don't have time to do the training. And mm-hmm. and uh, then we have a turf war with our neighbors, so now we're not working together. And so, yeah. But the turf war might go away if, if they come together. to your place and they're doing this. Or we had it in our own township at home where once a year the river would overflow in the spring ice jammed up and we had a trailer park home mobile home park down below it would flood every time every time well the first few years back 15 18 years ago we won't even talk about how the procedure was to get the people out of there because it was heavy equipment and really not the way to go until you know you educate yourself and you go further but like i said now all of a sudden well, somebody had the idea that maybe, well, since I retired, that we should have a water rescue team. So they trained for it, got a boat for an event that happens once a year where the neighbor that was 10 kilometers down the road is already all outfitted for. Why? Yeah, It could be as simple as a ladder truck. Do you need a ladder truck if there's another ladder truck within 20 minutes of you or half an hour? It's all those kinds of things that sometimes we see. Love it. Love it. All right. We're going to leave it right there. Growing Up Fire, episode 24. Henry Payton from uh, Almatro, Canadian manager for Almatro. Thanks for coming out, buddy. This has been a blast. All right. Anytime. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.